2 through 5. Every time we think of you, we thank God for you. Day and night, you're in our prayers as we call to mind your work of faith, your labor of love, and your patience of hope in following our master, Jesus Christ, before God our Father. It is clear to us, friends, that God not only loves you very much, but also has put his hand on you for something special. When the message we preached came to you, it wasn't just words. Something happened in you. The Holy Spirit put steel in your convictions. Good morning. Uh, Happy Father's Day to all the fathers here. Shout out to you, Dad. Thank you. Um, Thank you, Julia, for reading that verse. Um, I'm Alex Ambrose. I am going to be graduating GL in Berkeley Heights uh, on Tuesday, and I'm going to TCNJ, the College of New Jersey, in the fall. Um, In this passage, Paul is writing to the Thessalonians. Uh, He's saying, he's talking about the great faith, hope, and love that the Christians there had. Um, Imagine if Paul came to our church today and he met you. What would you want him to remember about you guys? The first aspect he mentions of these people are their work of faith. Hebrews 11.1 says, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Our salt leader, Mrs. Fague, had us memorize this verse, and um, I remember it all the time. It's, it's a great definition of faith for all of us. But the verse in Thessalonians doesn't just say their faith. It says work of faith. So what's the difference? Well, to me, work of faith says action. Hebrews 11 goes on to give name 11 specific people of the Old Testament and describes their actions in faith, their work of faith. At the, end of the ver- at the end of the chapter, he even says he doesn't have time to talk about all their actions and all the people and their works of faith. These stories are example of faith in action, or work of faith. Noah building the ark, Rahab uh, protecting the people. Um, these are all examples of people doing things through faith. Hebrews 11.8 says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as, in, as, his, as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. This verse, when I was reading Hebrews 11, really struck out um, to me because I think it applies to a lot of us who are sitting here, all of us seniors who are going off to college. Um, I'm not going to lie, I'm a little scared of going to college. You know, I think everyone is going to a new place where you don't know a lot of people, you don't know the place very well, and uh, leaving my comfort zone of Berkeley Heights and New Providence. But I think about what Abraham and what he did, and how he literally left everything he had, packed everything up, and just listened to God. And he had such a strong relationship with him that he had faith that he would protect him no matter what happened. I think if Abraham has enough faith to do that and trust God completely, then I can survive going one hour down to South Jersey. Another one of my favorite stories of work of faith in the Bible is Job. When I was young, I could never understand why God would test Job like that and make him suffer like that. But when I was at Living Word Church in Philadelphia on the junior high mission trip a month ago, the pastor there finally described it in a way that really made sense to me. He was a professor, and he compared God's test to a professor's test. Now, as a professor, your job is to prepare your students for the real world by presenting them with material. And periodically, you give tests to test to make sure that they know the material well enough. Professors don't give tests hoping that their students will fail miserably, or at least we hope not. They give them tests knowing that they are prepared, 
and they're ready for the reward of good grades. However, the student still has the choice to study or not to study. God gave Job these tests knowing he would pass them, which only reinforces his faith in God. God may test you one day. Is your relationship with him strong enough that your faith will help you pass? It's really easy to sit back and say that you have faith, but it's a completely different thing to put that faith into action. It's like the old tightrope walker story, and I'm sorry if you have heard this story as many times as I have. A man walked a tightrope once between two cliffs. The crowd cheered him on, and they were absolutely amazed that he could do this. He pulled out a blindfold when he finished, and he said, so who believes that I could cross this rope blindfolded? They all yelled, we believe, we know you can do it. However, he went and got a wheelbarrow, and he asked the crowd another question. Who believes enough to get into this wheelbarrow and let me push them across? No one moved. Now, I don't know about you, I don't think I could do that either, but um, these, this verse just, Paul is talking about what he remembers about these people, and I really challenge you guys to think about what Paul would want, what you would want Paul to write about you, and um, I'm hoping it's all your work in faith. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. Uh, happy Father's Day and uh, Grandfather's Day. Can't forget about your grandparents. And uh, I'm David Stone, a senior at Watchung Hills, and uh, I'm going to Elon University in the fall. And uh, I have to talk about love. And so, uh, what is love? Some say all you need is love. Others tell you how or where to love. Some say don't fall in love at the Jersey Shore. <laughs> but uh, but th this type of love I talk about is a romantic love, and it's uh, it's tangible and it's temporary, but God has an intangible love that uh, is attained through faith, and that's uh, best summed up in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And so love is not in words, but rather in actions. And uh, love is a laborious struggle that requires a sacrifice of pride, effort, and time. And to me, Pat Tillman is the epitome of living a life geared towards love. For those of you who don't know, he was a uh, professional football player for the Arizona Cardinals. And uh, he turned down millions of dollars in 2002 after the attacks of September 11th and walked away from his professional football career and enrolled in the Army. His, his passion for his country was so strong that he would turn down this life of fame and glory to stand up for a cause he believed in. And uh, Tillman ultimately died in, a, uh, in an attack in Afghanistan. But imagine if we as Christians decided to live each day of our lives with the same passion towards Jesus that Pat Tillman had towards his love for his country. Because he, he sacrificed his life ultimately. And what is love without sacrifice? To me, it's not love at all. And uh, 1 John, verse 16 through 18, puts it best. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has not pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love in words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. And so I urge you, maybe you shouldn't buy that new car or go on the vacation, but give up a week of your time in Mexico, because we need to give up ourselves for each other as Christians. And uh, at the beginning of this season, I think my football coach put it best when uh, he asked us, well, who in here has ever had uh, bacon and eggs for breakfast? 
I mean, naturally, everyone's had bacon and eggs for breakfast. So he says, well, first you have the hen. The hen gives us the egg, and the pig gives us the bacon. The hen makes a contribution to the breakfast by giving us the egg, but the pig makes a commitment. He sacrifices his life for that breakfast. <laughs> and so, as players, he urged us to sacrifice ourselves for the team, and our motto became, be the pig. <laughs> and so, John 15, verses 12 through 13, puts it this. My command is this, love each other as I, as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice with his miraculous act of love, laying down his life on the cross, saving us. And uh, this type of love is unconditional, and the sacrifice freed us from a life of hopelessness. And so, um, Jesus was the epitome of this life of love. And this summer, I decided to uh, try to follow in these footsteps. And so my brother and some of his college friends had a Bible study. And so we would meet up once a week, eat, chat, go over the Bible. But we decided that what we were doing was not having an influence on others and an impact on the community. So we decided to have a uh, service Saturday. So we'd go around the neighborhood and just go door to door saying, hey, we're a youth group. We're looking to help you. We'll do anything for free in uh, the name of God. And surprisingly, or actually maybe not too surprisingly in our uh, culture, people were startled at, uh, and uh, is startled that a group of ten guys would go around. And so they were scared, and they turned us down. <laughs> but but we, did, we did come across one man who actually was outside cutting uh, with a hedge trimmer, cutting his bushes. And so we approached him. And as we approached him, he retreated to his porch because he was also startled. And we told him, hey, we're a youth group. We're looking to help you out. We'll do anything you want for free. And he was just like, wow, this is amazing. Because this morning, I actually was praying for help, because I need to get work done in my yard. Because as it turns out, as he began to tell us his story, he was a local small business owner, and uh, him and his wife decided to donate 90% of their income to the church and keep their tithe, their 10%. And so he was struggling to make ends meet and actually had to move out of his house, and he went to the church for, a, uh, for some temporary housing. And they told him they could have the house as long as he fixed it up. And as it turns out, he was uh, struggling with trying to keep up with his commitment. And the fact that uh, we came and helped him, it really reaffirmed his faith towards the Lord and commitment to Christ. And uh, we were an answer to this man's prayer. And uh, since he obeyed God's command, he was rewarded for his faith. And Matthew twenty-two thirty-six to 39 puts it this way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so we were loving our neighbor, and he loved us. And although God's love will not always be this direct, if you live a life committed to Jesus Christ, honoring and glorifying his name, then the ultimate gift of love is spending eternity with uh, our Heavenly Father. Jen Brooks, and I'm graduating from Governor Livingston on Tuesday, and I'm going to George Washington University next year. Um, I'm here this morning to talk to you about hope. Um, when Mike told me I had hope, I was really kind of apprehensive about it. I wasn't sure. I would have preferred faith or love, or I don't know. And then Mike asked me to preach at two services, so it seemed like a lot, and I was a little overwhelmed. But 
Um, while I was reading up on hope and looking through my Bible, I feel like I've gotten a better understanding, and I'm really happy about that. But basically, I split hope into three categories. The first one was like petty, selfish hopes, which are more like wishes, such as like, I hope I get a laptop for my birthday, or I hope I'm allowed to go to that party next week. And these are hopes that they may, you might get something from them in the short run, but they don't really do much for you in the long run, and they're, very, they're kind of selfish a little bit. Fun sometimes, but selfish. Then there are selfless hopes, like, I hope my uncle recovers soon from a sickness, or I hope that man can find a job so he can support his family. And those are good hopes. Those are like wishing for other people, wishing good upon other people. But then there are hopes founded through God, which is the strongest out of all of them. And um, hopes founded through God are throughout the Bible. And um, if you look at uh, where is it? Romans 5, 2 to 5, it says, We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. I think this is a really, really powerful verse, because it pretty much lays out like a little, little graphic for you. You have sufferings, perseverance, perseverance leads to character, character leads to hope. And when I read this verse, I, like Alex, I also thought of Job. And um, I'm sure you guys all know the story of Job, but God was testing him, and Job lost his oxen, his camels, his sheep, all of his servants, his house, his sons, his daughters, and finally his health. God, um, they even took away his health, and he broke out in sores all over his body. And in Job 6.11, Job says, what strength do I have that I should still hope? What prospects that I should be patient? And I, I just actually opened to that and saw those two words, which were what I was supposed to preach about, and I was really relieved that I found those because I thought, that, <laughs> I thought they were really, I thought it was pretty powerful. Like, um, Job's in the Old Testament, and obviously before Christ came to earth, and he's questioning, he's saying, what strength do I have? Like, why should I still hope? Why should I still be patient? God's taken everything from me. And, like, like wh what faith do I have to put in him? But um, we have it so much easier than someone like Job did because we live in the New Testament, past the New Testament, and Christ has come to earth and gives us a new opportunity to hope. We've seen other people, like Job's hopes, be relieved by Jesus Christ coming. And now we use Jesus Christ in our daily lives, and we can make new hopes. And so back to what I was saying about hopes being founded through God, if you, with Jesus Christ behind your hope, if you have, it, if you have him in your hope, you can accomplish pretty much anything. Because hope is just technically a prayer. A prayer is vocalizing your hopes to God. So this could be a personal thing, like, I don't know, I hope... I hope I don't faint while I'm preaching today. <laughs> or um, it could be, like, I hope the church gets all the money it needs to go on the mission trip in a couple weeks. And all these, these are intercessory prayers then. And you're sharing your hope for you or for other people with God. And when you share it with God, you can 
actually make stuff happen as opposed to the selfish prayers or prayers that aren't founded through God, that you don't put your faith in God. Um, so basically, I'd like to challenge all of you today to try to use hope in a new way. Try to think of it as a prayer or make sure you're not always focusing on the selfish kind of hopes and that you're really tuned into like hopes founded through God and what God can do for you. And um, Because they can really do anything for you because anything is possible when your hope is founded in God. Hello, everybody, and happy Father's Day. Um, my name is Eddie Morgan, and this is my good friend Tim Dorn, and we will both be graduating from New Providence High School this Friday. Next year, I'll be attending Lehigh University in Pennsylvania, and Tim is actually going to JFK Rehab, where he will be trying different job skills, and he will be learning how to become independent, and he's actually going to be a step above the rest of us because he's getting paid to do that. Um, but anyways, Tim, Tim wrote a, a testimony for the spring retreat, the high school spring retreat, which was about two months ago, and it was, ve- it was a very powerful testimony. It was so powerful that, that Mike asked Tim to share it, share it again today, and I gladly volunteered to read it for him. So it has to deal with, Tim's, it has to deal with the final part of the verse that we are covering today, which has to do with commitment. So I'll just start from the beginning. Hi, my name is Tim Dorn, and I'm going to JFK Rehab next year. Mike asked me to share this testimony I gave on the retreat, so I want to take you behind the scenes of my high school years. Only a few people knew at the time, but I was dealing with depression. I don't know if you know what depression is, really. Depression is more than being very sad. It is finding little to no meaning to life. When I got into high school, I got very depressed and scared. I wanted to kill myself several times. Freshman and sophomore years were hard times for me. I kept telling myself depression only happens to others. This is the biggest and most dangerous lie you can ever say to yourself. That is exactly what I thought when I first heard of a person talk about depression. I'm not going to say knowing Jesus saved you will always help because when you are down, that is not always the first thing that pops in your mind. Thinking of Jesus takes practice. Here are some ideas that helped me. First off, even though it may get worse before it eventually gets better, everything will eventually get better if you trust in Jesus. Secondly, think about how will this current situation matter in two months. And thirdly, this is probably the most important one, is talk to somebody. If you feel something hurting inside, the best way to, to, to get better from that is to just have a group of people that you can talk to about it. Philippians 4 paraphrase says, Do not be anxious about anything. Present your request to God, and the peace of God will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Be content in any and every situation. You can do everything through him who gives you strength. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Guys, once I truly believed in that and knew I would go to heaven, that was the final period. That idea works better than any of the other things. All it does, all it needs is practice. That's it.